Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swan, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, CEO at FinSecurity, and we are joined once again by the amazing, wonderful Will Brooks. He is an evangelist in many senses of the word, and he is also, as I found out on our last podcast, also enjoys looking at math in his spare time, which is uh, that's one way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> enjoys looking, today, enjoys looking at enjoys math. math. Just, he enjoys you know, math. <laughs> you said looking at it, so I'm picturing now. Sure. Just a bunch of equations on my wall, unsolved, just a bunch of numbers and symbols. And I just like looking at it. It's a good time. Uh, it's just pretty. Like a, it's beautiful. You just said the numbers, Mason. What do they mean? Yeah. That's, it's, like, yeah. it's like the meme where the guys, like all the calculations are just moving around. And yeah, that's yeah, my yeah, life. The my head at all that times. Uh, Goodwill hunting was loosely based on Will Brooks here. Uh, yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The equation part, not the ability to solve them. Yeah, the equation. I could definitely write things down after looking at them. I can't make anything, you know, no smart sense of it. No. But um, so we, we chatted about cyber insurance, the other most least interesting topic in the world for many people. And sounds like you're excited about it. But today, what we talked about in our last podcast is cyber insurance. And one of the things it requires most often is security awareness training. So a question to you. I'm definitely not biased for awareness training for those who are. <laughs> <laughs> um, why are carriers looking for security awareness training in their policies? I mean, you probably have the stats better than I do, but I mean, just from even without, I mean, we could talk about numbers, right? We're math guys, but uh, the stats aside, if you just look at the logic behind it, if you are doing th- carriers and insurance, it's all about mitigating risk. Carriers know they can't eliminate the risk altogether. So they're like, we cannot prevent people from clicking things they're not supposed to. We can't like literally control their hands and make them not click links that they're supposed to not click, right? But they recognize, okay, if we can get people at least aware of what malicious attacks look like, fishy emails, pun intended, uh, look like, or, you know, what the kind of language people might use in, in social engineering and impersonation attacks and things like that, it'll at least lower the chance of that type of attack happening. So, the carrier looks at that and says, okay, if, if you get security awareness in place, there's a good chance more and more of your employees will be less likely to click on those links when they're not supposed to. Uh, and that, that means less opportunity that the, or less, less frequency that the carrier has to pay out on a claim. Right. And that's what they're, it's all about trying to make those numbers match. There's, there's a thousand actuaries somewhere around the world who are drawing a correlation between user behavior uh, or things that they do. And yeah, the likelihood they'll have to pay out on a policy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to, to quote Verizon's DBIR, that's the uh, Data Breach and Investigation Report. For those of you who don't know, that's one of the largest uh, and most referenced uh, reports on security breaches and incidents around the world at large. A new version of it gets released every year. The 2023 one, a new one just got released. I don't know if it was last year's or this year's. 2023's. Um, or it was 2022, but it released in 2023. Yeah, because they collate 
all the breach related activity for the year and then spend some time, you know, looking at the numbers. Yeah. Their statement is that it was 84, 84% of breaches, and I'll air quote for those of you who are just listening, involve the human element. Now, I have a lot of problems with the way a lot of people interpret statistics because usually if somebody's quoting a statistic to you, they're quoting it in the exact way they need to to make it work for their benefit, yeah. the, the statement they want to make. So if you dive into the statistics, it's not that 84% of breaches are directly resulted uh, are a direct result from a human clicking on an email. I'm just listing pedantic things humans do that cause incidents, clicking on emails, downloading software, or letting their credentials get abused by giving them away. It's that of all the breaches that occurred in 2022, 84% of them did at some point involve a human doing something that either allowed the breach to start allowed the breach to infiltrate further, get access to more data, or allowed the actual exfiltration of the data. So a human was involved somewhere in the kill chain, so to speak, yeah. uh, and letting it happen either initially or make it way worse. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember looking at that. I use that I use that stat all the time, mainly because I have no idea what it's talking about when it says the human element. But I mean, yeah. when you think about it, that, that's a great way to explain it because it could be used to say, oh, look, people are stupid. They click links they're not supposed to. Um, but it's it's a lot of it's a lot more than that. So, but but when it comes to the security awareness piece, I mean, I personally, Connor, I know you guys sell that stuff. I it's not fun to do all the time, but yeah, it's helpful, right? And that's the that's I think of math, right? It's not always fun to do. Okay, maybe it's not helpful either, but it's great. <laughs> and it's like, well, but but security awareness training when you actually look at it as a business owner, if you're if you're looking at you have. And the more employees you have, the more serious this gets, right? I mean, I used to work before coming to Fifth Wall, before my ministry stuff, before when I was doing financial advising, all before all that stuff, I was at an insurance agency doing like general lines of insurance. And me, uh, myself and one other guy were the only two tech savvy people in the whole agency. And by tech savvy, I mean, we knew how to, you know, do things pretty basic, like, yeah, and turn a computer on and off again. So like that was, but, but because of that, I look at that, staff build up and I was I was just I'm thinking to myself now oh man they need that security awareness training like that needs to happen and then I think of a business that is that times 20 in terms of employee count and now you have people who do not know an email from their mother and someone pretending to be their mother and how to actually look for it so if you can make them aware of like things to look for how to how to you know hover over a link to make sure it's actually what it's supposed to be or things like that before you click it um, even little pieces like that can be enough to save a company from going under or getting hit by an attack. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I always make the statement, by the time a human is in a place where they are capable of making a mistake that's going to help it reach along or start it to begin with, every piece of software that you bought in your business to protect against that has failed. Yeah. So whether that was a web filter, a secure email gateway, or your EDR on your endpoints, or even a, a SOC that should be managing what's going on in your in your networks and your environment all of that's already failed and if that user is not prepared if they don't have that gut feeling or that light bulb moment or that red flag and some warning bells are going off they are in a place where they could essentially take your entire company down for sometimes an extended period of time um, yeah which is it is a weird amount of power i don't want to say power impact that a non-technical individual could have in your organization. And, you know, everyone talks about clicking links. I also talk about other, it's all other behaviors. It's like, if somebody, if you have a badge system to get into your office and you let other people, it's called tailgating, you let them walk in behind you. 
unknowingly, you may have just led a malicious actor into your organization, or even if they weren't malicious, somebody who shouldn't be there, who might themselves be uh, unknowingly an access point for another malicious actor to get into your organization. Yeah, it's just I, I mean, we were, we were talking, I was talking with an MSP partner of ours, and you know, you could have a secure email gateway. You could have something that's scanning emails, trying to say, hey, I'm not even going to let these through because they're clearly an attempt at uh, a malicious activity. But then another email came through where it was from a Gmail account that obviously was spoofed, but it was a Gmail account and it was pretending to be the boss of the company. And all it said was, hey, can you call me? That was it, right? And he, the, the person didn't call, but they responded to the email and said, I can't right now, blah, blah, blah. And then this, bad, this threat actor started texting the person's number because their cell phone was in their signature line, right? So now this person's getting texts from their boss, which is hilarious because they already had their boss's number saved in their phone, but they were still responding to this number thinking it was their boss and they ended up buying a ton of gift cards, right? So it's, it, that wasn't a link clicked. That was literally responding to someone's plea for a phone call. So it, it, it can look genuine and, not, and no security is perfect. And I think that's where the carriers, going back to the insurance piece, the carriers look at this and they say, okay, we can do everything possible to make sure a client has really, really good security. But what we can't do is save a client from themselves. So we need to at least make sure that they're learning and educating themselves on what to look for. Because if they're doing that, then even though we can't save them from themselves, we can at least lower the chance that they're going to cause danger to the company. Yeah. You mentioned a point earlier that was a lot of people view it as a roadblock or uh, an inconvenience. One thing that I see is absolutely missing in the awareness industry is what I, you know, in broad strokes, consider cultural relevance. So if you have a small business that exists in a rural county of America, their needs for their people and the attacks that their people are most likely to fall for or, you know, have put in front of them, very different from an investment firm that has a ton of employees that exists in New York City. Yeah. the needs of those businesses are of the people in those businesses are vastly different. However, almost all awareness training that gets done is a you're going to click this button to deliver these twelve videos, and then you're going to go back to your insurance. You're going to give them the double thumbs up, and you're going to say, "Hey, we're covered. Don't worry about it." Here's the training that we've done, and I just I think that does a disservice to all the people involved who need help but don't want to view it as a roadblock because it's not relevant. Yeah, that's good. So true. Yeah, I mean, I too sometimes am guilty of taking the videos, (laughs) moving them to the second monitor while I continue working. Well, I mean, you think about it, like, I know what most of these attack vectors are. Um, But then you think about it, like, I mean, a good way to consider it is, like, you have professional football players. I mean, they play football all day, every day, but they still have to practice every week. Like, they can't just go into a game and be ready to go. They're not going to be professionals. I'm really good friends with a pro boxer. He doesn't just show up in the ring and fight. You know, he trains daily. And so it's the kind of thing like even for people in our field who understand the security, the, the attack vectors and know what to look for, if we're not training ourselves to one, I mean, how can we push security awareness training on someone when we're not doing it ourselves? But because then we're just hypocrites. But two, we also need to be training because like we've said before, those attack vectors are consistently updating and they're getting more proficient with with AI becoming a thing now, more more common now, you know, those those phishing emails get more legitimate looking and all that kind of stuff. So. It's yeah. definitely important. We just brought on a guest uh, uh, in the recent in the recent past to talk about third party risk. So, for those of you who aren't aware of what that is, you could have the Fort Knox level of security for your organization, and you could be pristine in everything that you do and everything your people do. But if you use a tool, third party or a service 
where an individual at that organization gets compromised or the software that you're using from that company gets compromised, then all of a sudden you are compromised as well. And that's, that's third-party risk. That's big, on, uh, which, that's big on insurance policies too. I mean, there are tons of companies out there who have contractual language that if their supply chain is disrupted to a vendor or to a partner, now all of a sudden they're paying fees and fines and penalties and all this kind of stuff just because they breached contract. That happens when your systems go down for two weeks because you were ransomware or something like that. Yeah. What um, what are carriers' expectations of SAT vendors of security awareness training? What is required these days? I mean, it's still not great. We've said, we've talked about it. Carriers are still in the Stone Age, so they they want to see at least quarterly trainings, which I think is way too infrequent. We like to say at least monthly when we're having conversations with people, just because again, and and I think when when you're having a conversation with a business owner, why would you not push for that? I mean painting the picture of like, this is your livelihood and your whole business operates online today. Why would you not make your employees take 10 minutes out of their time once a month to get this thing done? Yeah. I see a lot of, a lot of owners, business owners push back on the, not the 10 minutes part, but just increasing the frequency with which they do training because their experience in the past is this wasn't helpful. This took everyone hours. We sat in a four hour seminar every quarter or every, every year. And nobody cared. Nobody said they got value from it. And it was an entire day wasted. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, technically, according to most insurance policies that I look at, when I look specifically for a carve out of awareness training, are you doing this for your people? There is no requirement for what time frame, how long is it taking them, what subjects and topics are covered, and is it yep. relevant to the business? It's just, it's real blank. Did you do this? Yeah. Very, like, very black and white right now. Are you doing it? And I think... uh one of the one of the pieces we like to to discuss and cover on that is, and, and you, you mentioned it. Like, what can as, what can security awareness training vendors be doing to align with carrier expectations? And I would say, for the most part, you're all already doing it. Like, if you're a security awareness training vendor, you're already aligning with the insurance expectation. The question is, people are going to be required to do this in order to maintain an insurance policy. So, what are you doing to keep your security awareness training interesting enough? they're willing to do it and helpful enough and it make it feel beneficial to your point. If they're saying, oh, we spent a whole day doing this and no one paid attention and they were all bored and we still had an incident because no one paid attention, right? Then, then your security awareness training isn't very effective. So what are you doing to make that training effective, uh, engaging, interesting? I mean, from one math guy to another, when, when I taught math uh, at a private school for a couple of years, I gamified it because it's like math is typically boring to a lot of high schoolers. And I told, I told them, hey, you know what? They're like, what am I going to do with this? I'm never going to use math. And I was like, well, do you play Fortnite every night? And they're like, yeah. I was like, when are you ever going to use that? Like, oh, so if you can practice, <laughs> if, but it's all about practicing. Video game, uh, exactly, right? I'm going to be a streamer. Um, it's, all about, it's all about practicing. It's all about engaging. But also it needs to be made at least somewhat interesting, but also applicable to their, to their lives and business. So I think all training needs to be, all teachings need to be. If you're, if you're just gushing out information, but you're not actually giving an application where they can say, oh, this is real world. I should take this away with me. Then the training kind of can fall on deaf ears like that example you shared. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Do, do most of the MSPs that you work with at Fifth Wall, do they recognize that this is one of the requirements? There's five things that I see are broadly required. And I talk about this with Wes and, and other insurance folk. It's EDR, backups, uh, next-gen AV, SAT, and MFA. Is it, is it just a lack of knowledge? Do MSPs not realize this is a requirement or what's, what's their level of education according to your understanding? So there are some we interact with who don't realize it. I mean, the first, one of the first things we do when we partner with MSPs is to 
teach them about the required security controls. You know, as Wes always says, you must be this tall to ride this ride. He likes to say that. So, but he's a very tall man. So I know that height eligibility requirement is actually getting taller. So like they want to see patching of critical patches within 30 days now. They're not just so interesting with the whole, you know, what we're talking about with the chromium thing, because there are no patches right now. Um, So no one's getting that done in 30 days. But the reality is they want to, they're they're evolving in their, in their understanding and their standards. So if you don't meet those bare minimums, which security awareness training is one of them. And the reason we say you must be this tall to ride this ride, you can find policies that don't require something like uh, security awareness training. But usually you're paying too much or those policies are cutting out some really important coverages. So we say, if you can get these five controls in place, if you can do these five things, you're going to be eligible for the best policies, the best rates. Um, and MSPs typically at this point, I think, understand that we've been pretty, we've been pretty uh, beating a, a, a dead horse over here with, sorry for all my PETA friends that are on this call, but, you know, we're beating a dead horse around, this, around those five core controls. Like you see them everywhere now. So it's that kind of thing where they should at this point know that security awareness training is important. If they don't, you should be doing it. Yeah, if you if you didn't know before this, you do know now. <laughs> there you go. Um, which is interesting because those five things that I mentioned also map back to some of the CIS controls. The Center for Internet Security yeah. uh, is a very popular source for if you want to understand what you should be doing in cybersecurity or or what what a good posture might look like. You should go look at how much of that you actually qualify. Yeah, or how much of that you're currently doing. We always like to tell um, people that if, if they if they reach that IG one compliance level, they're usually considered a good risk for carriers, yeah. um, at least at the base level. If you don't know what that means, go check out those resources. Implementation group one. Yeah. Go yeah. read the CIS controls. There's only there's 18 domains. It won't take you very long. There's actually on the CIS website there is a two page PDF that explains the entirety of it, and Perfect. you'll know a ton about. Oh, I need to do way more or Actually, I think we're thinking about this in the right way. For folks who want to learn more, uh, either about you, about Fifth Wall, or about cyber insurance in general, where would you suggest they go and how would you like them to find you? Yeah, fifthwallsolutions.com. Again, you can find tons of information. We have educational stuff, blog posts. There's, if you, if you need help with policy stuff, you can just fill out a contact form, all that kind of stuff. Or you're, you're an MSP looking to partner or an agent looking to partner. Uh, we'll happily work with you on cyber insurance stuff. Again, I'm going to, just like I did in the last podcast, linkedin.com slash Wilbo, but the L is a number one. So don't miss that one. Is it one L? Just one Is it one one? Just one one. No, not one one. One one. A single one. A single one. Try to make it easy and we made it confusing again. W-I-1-B-O. For everyone who's just as confused as I am, I said this the exact I'm still confused. If I weren't already friends with you on LinkedIn, I doubt I would be able to find this. We will have a direct link to Mr. Will Brooks's LinkedIn, whatever it may be. I'm going to change it notes. just to confuse people. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to. <laughs> You're going to change it to the real Will, Will Brooks. The real Will Brooks with a blue check mark. With a blue check mark that you can't <laughs> buy from LinkedIn because that's on Twitter or X or whatever. X. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining. Um, I'd love to have you back on again to maybe talk about some things that are relevant today. You know, cyber insurance carriers are two years behind yep. by your own estimations and Chromium. Uh, sorry, the Chromium CVE was just announced uh, as you know, wide, being widely known. Sony was just hacked. LastPass was hacked uh, last year, this year, something, several times. So it doesn't matter. I'm probably right for both of those. So we should, uh, we should bring you on to talk about it. Would you want to come back on? Yeah, always. Sweet. Well, once again, thanks for joining, Will. It was a blast having you to talk about everything from cyber insurance to 
math. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll have Will back on. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed your time. See you next Thanks, time. everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.